was, you know, oh, three more days of winter. But since it was 90 days on my calendar at home, I keep knocking off. And I, I, I'm just, I'm an incurable optimist. Amen. So I always look at just, just so many days till spring. And it seems like yesterday it was 80, but, you know, now we're down to Thursday. Three, three more days before spring. About 30 years ago, roughly, I had the opportunity to, to train as a lay speaker and then as a lay pastor. Now, it was in a different church. It wasn't a, a Baptist church. But uh, along the way, there were two directives I received that have kind of stayed with me. And today, I, I hope you'll see some of the results of those directives. Number one was to always have what was referred to at that time as a kerygma. I understand in Greek that means a, like a message, you know, your, some churches might call it a creed or like that, but always be ready to tell share what I believe. And the second was always to have a message ready if called upon to honor God. So that I, I spent some time, Sherry will tell you, you know, frequently I'll be working on something in case we need it for men's Bible, you know, or men's fellowship on Saturday mornings, which I'm going to put a plug in for right now for those of you that might not come. Uh, those of us that do, I think, really enjoy it. Amen. And uh, it's beneficial to us. And I want to stop for just a minute because in a couple of weeks, Pastor Parmar will be here. So remember, have your Bible here so you can sing, you know, Amen. sing along with Pastor Parmar. And secondly, remember he asked us to read through, at least once, the book of Job. And uh, I, I really like to have Everyone say, I did, I did, I did, for Pastor Palmer when he returns. I look forward to that study. And again, those that are here are, you know, regular. And, uh, but let's try to remember, let's try to invite someone else to come along and enjoy the teachings on Job. Now, please be assured that an opportunity like this is a very emotional time for me and also very humbling. And it's with a certain amount of trepidation that I am attempting to speak to these verses that deal with 
genuine faith as James presents it to us in James chapter 2. Just as he did to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for the honor and the privilege to bring your message this morning. I ask that you you spend, send your spirit here to, to calm me and help me with my presentation. Also to send your spirit to open the ears and the hearts of everyone here that we hear your words, that we hear your message for today. And now, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. I don't know if you've noticed or not, maybe even heard of it, that on occasion, Christians unintentionally of course, shoot their wounded brothers and sisters. By this I mean that sometimes when talking with hurting or confused people, especially new Christians, we hear, and certainly not from any of us, but we hear, if you only had more faith, you wouldn't have so much trouble dealing with the problems that you do. Sometimes even more bluntly we'll hear, you just need more faith. Please listen carefully. You cannot, we cannot, on our own, get more faith. I say this because faith, like grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness, are gifts given to us by God. Now you might be thinking, okay, Jim, then how do we get these gifts? Well, first and foremost, we get them by believing. And that belief has to start with believing with all our hearts, soul, body, and mind that God is who he says he is. God Almighty, the great I am. I'm afraid that many, even, even believe it or not, some Christians don't truly understand the principles of faith as presented in Scripture. First of all, just as in marriage, commitment is an essential part of faith. You cannot be a Christian simply by affirming the right doctrine or agreeing with biblical facts. James tells us in verse 9, Thou believest, 
that there is one God and thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. We must commit our mind and heart to Christ. Not just our mind, not just our heart, but our mind and our heart. Often I think we're so concerned, and some people will say rightfully so, in getting possible new believers to recite what we call a sinner's prayer. That we forget that being truly saved requires change. Especially a change in the heart and soul. A change or changes that are recognizable to those around us. Secondly, that good works are the natural byproduct of true faith. A genuine Christian has a changed life. Chapter 2, verse 18 tells us, Yea, a man may, and I add, say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. At first glance, this seems to contradict Romans 3.28, where Paul tells us a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. I think the deeper investigation, however, shows that the teaching of James and Paul are not at odds. While it's true that our good works can never earn salvation, True faith always results in a changed life and good works. Paul speaks against those who try to be saved by works instead of by faith. James speaks against those who confuse mere intellectual assent with true faith. After all, even the demons know who Jesus is, but they don't worship him. They don't obey him. True faith involves a commitment of your whole self to God. And thirdly, faith without good works doesn't do anybody any good. It is useless. Intellectual assent or agreement with a set of Christian teachings is incomplete faith. True faith transforms our conduct as well as our thoughts. If our lives remain unchanged, we probably don't truly believe the truths we claim to believe. Let me say that again. If our lives remain unchanged, we probably don't truly believe the truths we claim to believe. In John's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 21 through 26, I don't know if you want to turn there or not, but it's John, chapter 11, and verses 21 through 26. 
We read the account of Jesus meeting Martha on his way to Lazarus' tomb. Martha met Jesus and said, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give thee. In verse 23, Jesus saith unto her, Thy, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And then the words that I've repeated so often in funerals. Jesus said unto her, and he says to us every day, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Then Jesus asked Martha a question that we also must answer. Believest thou this? We know Martha's answer. It's right there in Scripture. Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Now we, unlike those in the days of Jesus' ministry, today have God's word the Holy Bible. I want to tell you that if we don't believe God's word and believe that it is the inspired word of God, then we are not his people. And if anyone doesn't believe Jesus was crucified, dead, buried, and then he arose on the third day, was seen by many, and after 40 days he ascended and sits on the right hand of the Father. And then he's coming again to take us home. Then they are not part of God's family. They're not his brother or sister. And they're certainly not even Christians. The very basis of our faith is a result of our belief in Jesus. And you either believe God's word or you don't. The case is closed. Martha's answer should also be our answer. I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Without believing that Jesus is the resurrection and the life and the truth, what do we have for our faith? 
And the answer is obviously nothing, or at the very least, very little. In Matthew 17, verses 14 through 21, Jesus told them, and he continues to tell us today. Now this was, this is after he had sent out the disciples. And a man came to Jesus and had a son that needed healing and who was possessed. And the disciples say, you know, we haven't been able to, to heal him. And the man said, and also told Jesus, your disciples weren't able to heal him. <clears throat> Jesus said, told his disciples, and he tells us today too, because of your unbelief, you couldn't accomplish what you tried to do. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, and we have heard the rest of it, you can move mountains. Evidently, the all-knowing Jesus knew that the disciples didn't fully believe that they had the power to overcome some of the obstacles, challenges, that they faced, and therefore not believing lacked the ability to be effective disciples. My King James Bible, Study Bible, defines faith as a system of religious beliefs incorporating, incorporating reliance, loyalty, or complete trust in God. It is total dependence on God total dependence on God and a willingness to do his will. It's not something we use to put on a show for others. It's complete and humble obedience to God's will. Readiness to do whatever he calls us to do. And very importantly, the amount of faith isn't as important as the right kind of faith. Faith in our all-powerful God. If time allows, we still have a few minutes. <laughs> I'd like to mention a few of the examples of faith that we find in God's Word. And by the way, my King James Study Bible with Life Application Guide lists in the concordance 65 verses where faith is mentioned. 64 in the New Testament, one in the Old Testament. The Old Testament reference is from Deuteronomy 32 and specifically verse 20. In, in uh, chapter 32, Moses is reminding Israel briefly of its historical failures in a song. And in it, 
He tells how, I hope I say this, Jeshurun forsook the God which made him, worshipped strange gods, participated in abominations, and provoked God to anger. Then in verse 19, And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and daughters. And in verse 20, And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. Just a little sidebar here. When he says, I'll hide my face from them. Remember when Jesus was on the cross? And the sky turned black. I truly believe is Jesus took our sins on him. God had to turn his back on Jesus. And the light of the world went out. And I think God's telling us ahead of time that this would happen. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a very forward generation. Children in whom is no faith. In other words, children who do not believe. Therefore, have no faith. Is it any wonder why we see so many things going on in the world today. We see so many that don't care about what God says, who don't acknowledge him, don't even believe he exists, and therefore have no reason for faith. They have nothing to help them through life here on earth, and certainly... No hope of eternal life. James gives us two examples of Old Testament heroes of faith in uh, verses 21 through 25. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled with Seth, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Oh, how I want to be a friend of God. Amen. You see then how that by works, 
a man is justified and not by faith alone. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works? When she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way, for as a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Just remember that tell us about it in Joshua chapter 2 that when Israel's spies came to the city Rahab hid them and helped them escape in this way she demonstrated faith in God's purpose for Israel as a result she and her family were saved when the city was destroyed you can read about that in Hebrews 31 I mean, excuse me, Hebrews 31, 11, 31, lists Rahab among the heroes of faith. If you want to turn to Hebrews 11, we can run down through the list. I know you've heard them. We can read of other heroes of faith known, and this is important, to all Jews as well as to all of us. First of all, all we see Paul's definition of faith. You heard the one that uh, my study Bible gave, but Paul says, Now faith is the substance, substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Next we see that by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. A little further on, and he being dead, yet speaketh. We see that Enoch was translated that he should not see death because he pleased God. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he, God, is. That Noah became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And Abraham, as I mentioned earlier, and Sarah, and Isaac, and Jacob, all were heirs of the promise. Now, how about us? I pray that all of us here today have faith based upon our believing on Jesus, the only begotten Son, on God the Father, and on the Holy Spirit, our Comforter. I truly believe that each and every one of us has, because of our belief, the real potential to be heroes of faith in the eyes of our family members and friends. And that heritage, I believe, will endure for generations to come. Let's not waste whatever time we have left but do all we can to lead others in the walk that we enjoy today. Pastor Schott, will you honor us now by closing in prayer?